The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. Join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers to inspire the population to go for their dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. PR Newswire says that Braille Institute Los Angeles has unveiled its re-envisioned library for the blind and visually impaired. Joining us to talk about the new library and its recent open house is Lisa Lapore. Lisa is the Braille Institute Los Angeles Library Director. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Brian. I'm so glad to be here on Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. So tell us more about yourself and Braille Institute Los Angeles. Sure. I'm Lisa Lapore. I've been honored to be the library director at Braille Institute since January 2022. Um, and prior to that, I was library director at Antioch University for 14 years. Um, I'm a librarian because I'm a huge fan of libraries. Um, libraries stand for universal access. And the founder of Braille Institute, which is a 104-year-old nonprofit providing free services to people on the blind spectrum, um, J. Robert Atkinson, started Braille uh, Institute over access. Atkinson was totally blind. He lost his sight as a young man. When he learned to read Braille, taught by a blind woman who that was what she did, she taught Braille, he realized that there weren't lending libraries around. He got frustrated. He got a a press and he started um, the Braille Press and Library. And that's the roots of Braille Institute, which is is an exciting legacy to me. Um, and he also was instrumental as an activist in starting the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. Wait, is that the one with the talking book topics, those big books you get in the mail? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I used to get those. You so, did? I did, yes, with those Good. big tape recorders with the symbols on them. Yes, yes. Those, Those were ones. real doozies back then. <laughs> yes, they've gotten a little smaller. Mm, okay. So how did the Braille Institute plan to revitalize or reimagine this library? Yeah, so the library, it's the Braille Institute is a big brutalist building. So we have 
Let me let me backtrack a little bit. We have seven sites throughout Southern California, but the first one, the one that Atkinson um, founded in Los Angeles, is at Vermont and. Um, Melrose, right in the heart of kind of East Hollywood, and it's a big brutalist building. And for people who like architecture, it's kind of pretty exciting. Um, um, but the the interior of the library had not been tended to for about forty years, so it really looked outdated. The library was also really a working library at its apex. The Braille Institute Library which again is part of the National Library Service representing all of Southern California. Um, we had about 50 employees, everything from reader advisors to circ people to reference librarians to machinists, just a lot of people. So it was a working library. There wasn't much room for anyone, anything else. There was um, a small area where people would come in and pick up books, but it wasn't like your typical public library, for instance, where people could really go in, especially now and things were happening. So I think long-term staff and the then direct library director and vice presidents were like, okay, let's rethink this library now that we don't have as many uh, staff, mostly because technology just, there wasn't a need to have as many staff any longer, as much staff. Um, and so the conversation got started and then the development took off and launched a campaign they called Library Reimagine and really knocked it out of the park. And there were big donations and small donations. And of course, for some people, a small donation is a really big donation. And we were just so grateful to everyone who donated. And so we were able to really remake the library, open the space and um, make it like a traditional public library now. So dynamic and beautiful and a place where hopefully people want to come and be. How did you make it that dynamic? So, um, again, we are lucky to have this great looking space, this brutalist architecture. So there are big windows and big cement walls and it's kind of dramatic. And then what we did is we organized discrete spaces in the library a recording room, a children's library, a teaching space, a maker space for young people. And then we filled it with beautiful furniture because aesthetics are important for everybody. Um, and so we have like the chiclet chair that was designed in the 70s, or we have these um, domus chairs designed by um, a, a Finnish couple in the 1930s. And, um, and all of the, the furniture has soft edges. So they're, you, you know, it's okay if you bump into them. They are <laughs> beautiful to look at. They are beautiful to touch and feel and they feel good. Um, and we all know how much aesthetics make us all feel good. And so that was really a priority to kind of push back against the idea that beauty doesn't matter if people have a visual impairment, right? But to, to honor, um, what makes us all feel good. And and so that was a top priority. And we worked with a lot of different um, companies and, and designers and, and they gave us really big discounts because they were like, we want to support Braille Institute and your patrons. Um, and to that point, we also created, we um, commissioned two artists, uh, Megan Whitmarsh and Carla Tomei to do a sensory wall. 
And we commissioned fine artists because we knew that they would take kind of the important elements of the sensory wall, that they would stimulate senses, um, uh, touching, hearing, uh, seeing for for those patrons who have some vision, um, but would take it to a, a different level because they're fine artists. And so what we have is a beautiful sensory wall in the new children's room that is made of ceramics and textile and metal instruments and wood. And it's kind of a cityscape of Los Angeles that includes buildings, animals, plants, and um, stars, and and even has a spaceship. I love and downtown LA. It's beautiful. Right. And so there's the Capitol building and Angel's Flight and Griffith Observatory yes. and Braille Institute. It's all there in this in the sensory wall. I love I love people who love Los Angeles because it often gets a bad rap. And so no, it's not as bad as, as it may sound. There's <laughs> Universal Studios. There's downtown yes. L.A. There's the Hollywood Walk of Fame. There, yes. There's Disneyland. There's good things. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This took several years of planning. The revamped library includes all these features. There's also a recording room for podcasts, a makerspace for teens. Yes. And we are going back to the National Library Service again. 300,000 National Library Service book titles. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us more about the podcast room. What's that all about? Yeah, so we there um we have a long-term um friend and and donor who's who wanted us to have a recording room. We have Ivan Johnson who's worked um at the library for about 12 years. He came from Disney actually doing sound recording. And he, so he's a he's a master sound sound guy. And so when I came on he was like, "I don't know if this is really going to happen." Well, we worked with Synergy a company that does sound rooms and they just, it's a, it's a beautiful space. It's um, it, it is um, created to, so the, and the national library service has high standards around recording its books and they really want them, their audiobooks to be perfect, right. Without exterior sound. So we know, we knew that we needed a recording room that that was going to allow for that quality of recording. And that's what we got with this room. And so we can record books that will become part of the National Library Service collection. We also are going to have podcasts. We are going to do like sound art. And I'm really excited to share with you that I've just, um, become been awarded like um to become part of what's called the the radical librarianship institute out of the information studies department at UCLA and it's part of a a large grant and we will receive funds to do a zines project so for those who don't know zines are kind of handmade books and we are going to do that across four centers including Los Angeles um, but for some kids, and we will work with young people and old people across the, you know, across the age spectrum. But for some people who have no vision at all, no sight, um, they might want to record their zines in the recording room. But what I want to say is just, I have a, um, a guy I'm becoming friends with. His name is 
Chad, and I'm forgetting his last name because I get name aphasia. He's okay. he has RP, so he lost his vision probably around 20. He was, and he's a magician, and he performs mm-hmm. at the Magic Castle, and he also did a graphic novel, um, at, using like Foley sounds with a blind um, hero in it. And so we're going to work with, he's going to be one of the people that we work with in doing zines in the recording studio. And I'm just super excited about it. Um, so the recording studio is going to be the very important job of recording books. And we're going to focus on books about LA, but also books from small press books that might not find their way into the National Library Service collection, but also lots of other stuff. Um, and one of the things we want to do with the, with the recording room is give young people a chance to get those skills so then they can go out and get an internship or a job doing sound mixing. And, and, um, you know, we're in Hollywood and we know people in film business and we know that we can call on sound mixers, production sound mixers, post sound mixers, call them in, ask them to work with our youth, get them started on which I think could be a really, really excellent um, job path for them. What is the makerspace for teens? So the makerspace for teens is just whatever it, whatever it will be. We'll have technology there, or we will do art projects. We're looking at getting 3d printers. Um, So it's, it's, you know, technology and all kinds of technologies, art projects, Anything that teens are interested in, we hope to be able to meet their interests and provide a space that they can come and be together in community and also have experts there teaching them these different skills. What do the blind and visually impaired think about the library so far? Really excited on. So we've had two open houses. Um, our second open house happened just Saturday, and that was for young people from birth all the way through 18 and their families. And the kids were really, they loved the recording room. Uh, there were these two sisters who were together in their re- recording with Ivan. Um, we had a lot of kids at the sensory wall who were just really enjoying it. And the artist was there and it was lovely for her to see people interacting with her work, especially young people, because we didn't see that at the, at the larger open house. And I think for the adults, having a space that's, um, that's beautiful and comfortable, having technology there for them, um, knowing that there are people with expertise who can work with them and help them understand the devices is really important. We have a longtime patrons, uh, Steve, Bauer, who works uh, on Wednesdays, he comes in and he works with um, people needing assistance with like the e-reader or the Victor stream reader. And we also, of course, at Braille Institute have Connection Point, and that's our technology training center. So people can work with the technologists at Connection Point to get assistance that they need on any devices. Let's talk about the recent open house that happened on April 26th. How did that open house go? 
It was so much fun. We had over 250 people. It was crowded. Um, our, we had the LA poet, um, laureate there, Lynn Thompson. She said, no one, there's never this many people at a poetry reading. I'm so thrilled to be here. So it's just really a celebration of coming back after COVID and kind of shut down the in-person library for so long. And it was a celebration of being together in the library. And I think acknowledging what the library means to people. The the motto for the National Library Service is that all may read. And um, one thing that has struck me as being library director here at Braille Institute is how much it is a reader's library. And people are devoted to reading however it can and love their books and it means so much. So I think um, it just felt good for people to be back, to meet library staff, to be with each other in conversation. We had a, a lovely lunch. And, um, do you know, who doesn't want to listen to poetry and, and good music? We had two of our patrons um, uh, play music. And we also had long-term patron Donald Wenner, who was our MC. And another special guest, long-term patron, Jeff Moyer, who's a writer, and he was kind of our keynote speaker for the event. So it was great. It was just really great to see the library packed. It always makes me happy to see packed libraries. I, um, like I said, you know, the, the, our great American writer, Toni Morrison said, you can't have a democracy without thriving free libraries. And so, um, I'm always just really happy to see Sounds libraries. Like this is a very people. free library. Uh, yes. <laughs> how many floors is the library? One, two, three, or four? Two floors. So our main area is on the first floor. And then on the second floor, we have our Braille book collection. Thousands of Braille books. Okay, because uh, we have another library in the city of San Francisco. That's four to five floors. And it's at Civic Center. Um, oh yes city of angels part of the movie city of angels with meg ryan was actually filmed okay that's right that was um based on the german film i think yes um, wings of desire yeah yeah michelle waddle is the um library director there okay okay yeah i've been inside the library itself too because i live in the bay area that one it's big it's lucky you got so much stuff all over the place yeah. So many things you could do and look at. Yes. I think uh, our downtown LA um LA public library is that too. I think it's about four or five floors. I can imagine. Yeah. Um <laughs> so what what's gonna be the future of the library? Any anything uh new any other new features that are gonna come in? Any exciting events? Anything special? This zines the zines project I talked about. I think is going to be really exciting. We're going to bring in a lot of um, people with expertise to teach, kind of train the trainers and then um, be creative with, with making zines. We are also going to have an art gallery featuring student and non-student work. Um, and that will change probably a couple of times a year. We will develop a um, large print collection Um but I think what we're hoping for is that, like I said, there was a, a National Library Service 
survey done about 1982, and they spoke with patrons of the of the library as well as staff. And one man said, "You know, I'm." Uh, he was 35 at the time, and he says, I, I take the bus to get to the Library for the Blind, and and I get there, and there's just not much happening. It's just nothing going on. He said, make these libraries vibrant and exciting spaces. Make it worth it for me to 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 get all the way over there, and then I'll come. And I'm I'm hoping that will be the case, you know, that people will want to come into the library and, and enjoy um what we have to offer, but we also have a lot of dynamic offerings online and um, anyone is welcome to join our classes and workshops. We have classes on archives and genealogy and um, we're going to have a class on memoirs where people will write memoirs as well as read memoirs. Oh, okay. They get to read them, write their own memoirs. Um, yeah. How about uh, the genealogy? Is that where they look into like their family history? Their family Exactly. History? Exactly, which kind of parallels with archives, um, interestingly, and um, and we then we have we have book groups, kind of themed book groups, and classes in Spanish and um, as well, because as you know, in Southern California, we have lots such of a Hispanics. Big, yep, lots of Spanish-speaking folks, and we want to make sure that we have services for those populations. Um, so, just. Um, yeah, dynamic offerings online, tech offerings online as well, tech training, and um, a lot happening in-house. This summer, we are joining the National Library Service's summer reading program for both children and adults. And there will be incentives for people to read. There will be celebration of reading. We'll have different authors who are going to read online. And then there will be kind of prizes for people who read, not people who read the most because people read differently, but kind of there will be um, for people who read a certain amount and then there will be a raffle for prizes. I think we're going to have a couple of iPads. Have you guys ever thought of like a summer reading game, kind of like the regular public libraries where not only the kids read their books, but they also win special prizes like Wiener Schnitzel coupons? Yes, we did that um, last summer. We had Baskin Robbins. Oh, coupons. Mm-hmm. excellent! I love ice cream <laughs> too. <laughs> uh, me too. For some reason, I the other day I had a whole banana split. I don't know what possessed me, but it was really delicious. I used to work at Baskin Robbins, so well, you did yourself. Yeah, I've had Baskin Robbins on a few occasions, and they're good. They're good. Um, I agree. Uh, so how many our listeners check out the new library? Come on in, um, or you can check it out um, online. We have a, um, we are going to have a, a video of the library, kind of a walkthrough that we're working on right now. But people are very welcome to come in. You don't need an appointment, and you're welcome. We're open from 9 to 5, five days a week. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Lisa? Um, I want to say thank you so much and that um, we're always open to feedback and um, thoughts that people have, how we can expand the library, do things differently. 
um, our patrons, you know, our users and our users are really important to hear from. And I just, I want to thank you for this opportunity. And I also want to ask your listeners um, to make sure that you support your public libraries, get your library card, support your libraries and continue to support the National Library Service. Uh, let your representatives in Congress know how much the National Library Service means to you and, and others and how important it is. Um, and I want to say I'm not someone who says the, the United States is the best necessarily, but we do have the best library system in the world, whether it's our public, academic, or special libraries. And um, I'm very glad that Emily Drabinsky is going to be our next American Library Association president. And I think in terms of representing and um, kind of working with libraries, for the blind and, and visually impaired, Emily will be a friend and ally. Excellent. Lisa, thanks for coming on the show today, and we look forward to seeing and enjoying the new library. Thank you, Brian. It was a real pleasure. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.